to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory, the God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon a leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Father God, we just thank you that you have called a people who were unworthy to be called. You called us your children. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't work for it. There was nothing that we could do to earn it. Everything was just completely by your grace. And so, Father God, we just ascribe to you the glory that is due to you. And we just lift up your holy name in this assembly. And we just thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you for all that you are continuously doing through each and every one of us. We just glorify you, Father God, because only you are worthy to be praised. Only you are worthy to be honored. And in every day that we live, every day that we breathe will be a testimony, a, a, a testification, if I could even use that word, of who you are. And we just glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Maybe seated. Praise God. You know, I I just think so much about the goodness of God. And I tell you, you know, I'm constantly in conversation with um with people who are of the Jewish community. I talk to them a lot. Um I also talk to my own fellow kin folks or skin folks, should we say. <laughs> and um, we have to be in a place where God is truly working on our hearts and how we relate to those who do not believe or know the truths that we know. We have to constantly, constantly just cry out before God to work on us, to help us to be able to reach out and touch those who do not know him. Um, that has to be a burden that we share. Um, in our discussion on Sunday, we talked about the name of Yeshua as being the name that was given to the Messiah as a means of connecting him to the mission of redeeming Israel and eventually uh, the Gentile nations. We saw in the Old Testament passages in which the word Yeshua, which in Hebrew means salvation, 
brought further gravity to the mission of Yahweh and how the word inserted into the Old Testament text parallels the New Testament fulfillment. We see that all the hopes and expectations that we have are realized in Yeshua, fulfilled in Yeshua. That is applicable and shareable. In summary, God's salvation is Yeshua and nothing else. This is why I trust in the God that we serve because everything in his word just lines up and it makes it easy for me to believe what and why I share Yeshua to the various communities that I find myself engaging in. Before we start, I, I wanted to just leave the floor, open the floor up for any questions. Um, did anything just, did anything impact you uh, from what you heard on um, Sunday? Any concerns? Um, any testimonies? I just want to hear your thoughts if there's any. I just want to take out a moment. And you just signify by just raising your hand if, if you know, if God begins, to, if God uh, opens your eyes to see something that you've never seen before, if, if he just spoke um, to you, through you, were you able to encounter anybody um, that, you know, that you just felt led to just talk to them about the salvation of our God? Anybody? Going, going, gone. <laughs> Let's look at First Corinthians, First Chronicles, chapter sixteen, And if you get there, say amen. Now, I'm reading directly out the NASB. You may see it differently in your text, but, um, you know, but please follow along. Um, we did touch a little bit about this on Sunday, but just, uh, just a rehash. It says, sing to Yahweh all the earth. Proclaim the good news, that is the gospel of his salvation. And we understand that word salvation there is Yeshua. So in other words, proclaim the good news of his Yeshua from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. In this passage, we are encouraged to preach the gospel. This is the Old Testament. But the instructions is the same. One, sing to Yahweh. Two, proclaim Jesus. Proclaim Yeshua daily. Three, declare his glory. Who are we to declare God's Yeshua to? Everybody. There's no limitations. Everybody. Everybody is a candidate of declaring the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus, too. It could be the people at your job. It could be the people in your neighborhood, your neighbor next door. You could be going to the supermarket. 
and just have an opportunity to declare the name of Yeshua. What was interesting is on um, Monday, I wore my typical Yeshua uh, sweat, sweat, um, sweater, um, hoodie actually, and I, and I went out and I, uh, in that morning, um, even on the drive to drop my children off to their, um, to their, um, their uh, morning care before they uh, you know, go to the schools, before they go to their various schools, um, I walked in and we prayed, me, my wife, my family, we prayed about, you know, God, just give us an opportunity to just share who you are with, uh, with uh, those who don't know you. You know, we leave that wide open. We don't leave any, we don't place any limitations. Just whoever, Lord. Anybody who needs to know you, just, you know, hey, you know, just, you know, just give us the opportunity. That's all. And uh, I was walking into my daughter's school, um, her, her, where she does her preschool, and the lady who is actually the owner of the building, she sees my sweater. And mind you, I wear this a lot. I wear it almost all the time. And, you know, so she's seen it a lot. But that Monday, she said, who is Yeshua? <laughs> and I said, well, that's Jesus. <laughs> and we were able to get into a discussion about who Jesus is. And, of course, we couldn't talk long because that's the morning and everybody is kind of just, you know, uh, running in. So it's very busy. But it was just like, thank you, God, for the opportunity to just share who you are with somebody who normally I would just think is out of, out of bounds. But that was an opportunity. And, and I don't know if it was specifically the prayer, but I believe that that prayer maybe in a sense kind of made me more in tune with what God, was, what God wanted me to see. So in a sense, that prayer, praying that doesn't change, you know, the attitude of God towards those who need to hear them. It changes our attitudes with how we can now approach them, what we need to say to them. And so that was just an amazing experience for me. But it didn't stop there. Sam's Club, same, same sweater, you know. Just walking around in the store, minding my business. I'm there because my wife told me to be there. I don't really like going shopping a lot, but, <laughs> you know, hey, you need to stop here, get this, get this, and get that. And I'm just strolling through. And, a, you know, and a lady who was actually uh, one of the workers for Sam's Club, at Sam's Club, she blurts out, I know who Yeshua is. <laughs> You know, in the middle of the store, because, uh, you know, of course, I get excited. You know, you don't have to do much to get me excited. You talk about the Bible, I get excited. So, but, you know, it gave her an opportunity to talk about Jesus to me as a customer. I have no problems with this. But now I know Jesus, but guess who might not know Jesus? All those people just walking through. So it was awesome. And one of the amazing things that I found out just talking to the, to the um, lady that was working at a Sam's Club is that she, she wasn't here on Sunday. She didn't hear the message, but she was actively engaging in ministering to people at Sam's Club. She has, like, these, um, these little things that, you know, like um, how you would give somebody, like a, um, like, a greeting card or whatever. 
um, like, you know, like, say, you, like, let's say it's Christmas. You know, here's a card. You put it in an envelope, and you put little special things on the outside, of, you know, you write on it. You know, it makes people feel very special when you, you know, you hand stuff like that to them. Well, she puts the, um, she puts gospel tracts in those, in those little envelopes, and she hands it to people. She gives it to them. They don't know what to expect. But, you know, I mean, it's sweet little things, you know, stuff that, we you know, us guys don't really, you know, we ain't like that, you know. We don't get gushy like that. But, <laughs> but she gives it to them. So you can imagine people that are going home with those, you know, with those cards just don't know what to expect that's inside of them, and they're seeing the gospel. And she has it in different languages. So if she runs across somebody who is from, let's just say, China, and they speak Mandarin. She got some Mandarin tracks specifically for them. She's a missionary at work. That is amazing. You know, that is amazing. So, again, this is an opportunity, you know, that we have in the very places that we find ourselves in where we can share the gospel with people. And there's no boundaries, there's no limitations on how we do that as long as we work according to the Spirit of God. God's Spirit knows how he needs to convey his message to anybody. And he gives us that a, a, a ability to do so. We just got to stay in tune with him. We just got to stay connected with him. So every person that we have an encounter with, um, that in, has an encounter with us, has an encounter with Yeshua has an encounter with God's salvation. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. So when they have, so when they um, have a contact with us, they're having a contact with God Himself. Isn't that powerful? And so we have to always be cognizant of this truth because, the, because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to be his witnesses wherever we go. You know, we've been talking lately about having the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ, don't, don't we? We believe it. We have the mind of Christ. So having the mind of Christ means being burdened with the things that burden Christ, you know? Having the mind of Christ mean, means being concerned about the well-being of those who don't know him. Having the mind of Christ means to always be in tune with what God is saying at each and every moment. Because that's what Christ did. Christ was always in tune with the Father. And we have that same opportunity. Why? Because his spirit dwells within us. And he's constantly changing us, changing us to become more and more like him. The scripture says that we are being conformed to his image and his likeness. We are being less and less of who we are uh, or who we were in our Adamic nature and being more and more like him. He has already, in a sense, made us look like him in the spirit. But now what's going on in the spirit is radically transforming each and every other area of our life. So our mindset is now starting to think just like Jesus. And so we begin to ask, Father God, you know, what do you want me to say to to, to my brother? What do you want me to say to my sister? What do you want me to say to people who don't know you? What do you want me to say to people who do know you? You know, people are going through challenges, even in the church. 
and they need and they need to hear from what God, you know, what what Christ is saying. They want to know what is God saying in this moment. I can tell you as many times as I've preached, as many times as I prayed, as long as I've been a believer, I still need constant encouragement from my brothers and sisters. I'm not I'm you know I'm not, I'm not above the bar. I still need to hear encouragement from my brothers and my sisters, especially when in times where I'm going through something. And so I can imagine for each and every one of us that is going through something, we have a word to offer from God to those who are facing challenges. And, you know, we call that ministry to the saints. You know, there's ministry of the saints and there's ministry to the saints. We need to preach to each other the message of Jesus as much as we preach to the world the message of Jesus. It encourages, it edifies us, and it empowers us to now be that much more bolder to speak to those who need to hear him. Amen? When people think of Christians, there should be a sense of reassurance, a sense of hope, because everything that comes against us is, desi- is designed to extinguish that hope that we have in God. However, the scriptures teach that Christ in us is the hope of glory. On your jobs when you're working, when people are seeing you, do they feel a sense of reassurance? Do they feel a sense of hope because you're there on the premises? You know, some, in my experience, some of the most toughest people to deal with <laughs> are my own fellow believers. <laughs> the toughest people to work with are my own fellow believers. I can have fun with, I mean, I, I remember my, my old job, I had a, a, a guy that was there, he was from India. This guy was Hindu. And we would communicate with each other the differences in our beliefs all the time. I mean, we had fun. That actually, in many times, passed, it made the day pass by quickly. If you ever had a boring day, find, a, uh, uh, find somebody who was really deep in their beliefs and just ask them tons of questions about why they believe what they believe. And, they can, and, you, and that opens the door for them to ask you about why you believe what you believe. And now you're engaging. You're having an interfaith dialogue. And there's something in you that is more than what they have. But you have that opportunity. But me and my friend, um, that was from, from India, me and him, man, I mean, there, there were times where I, I mean, we would just talk about Jesus. You know, we would talk about Jesus, and he would ask questions about Jesus. He would ask tons of questions about Jesus. And, and I would begin to speak to him, and I would offer him hope. And the funny thing is, is that working with him was more delightful than sometimes working with those who preach Jesus at work. He was always willing to help me when there was t- things that I was facing, the challenges that I was facing at work. He was right there available, uh, available to, uh, to, 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 uh, to offer his help. And likewise, I was available to offer him help as well. But just, I mean, just the friendliness of him. What, he didn't know who Jesus was. But because of the principles that he practiced, he believed like he believed in doing good because you know they believe they got this thing called karma. So whatever you you know whatever you give out, we, you know when they die and reincarnate, you know according to their beliefs, you know they're looking for the good they're looking for the good life um, when they when they die and reincarnate. So for him it's an obligation, but even in that obligation, you just see how much more 
um, he is compelled to just do good things, you know. We are, in a sense, compelled to do good things, not because we are looking for a, a great karma, you know, not necessarily because of the hope of heaven. We already got that, you know. We already have those good things. We're compelled to do good things because we have the hope of heaven. In other words, because of God's goodness towards me, I'm compelled to be good towards others. So how do we share and proclaim this hope that we have in Jesus? One is to be burdened with praying for the unbelievers and not curse them. Burdened to pray for the unbelievers and not curse them. You know, it was interesting, you know, this whole political season, this whole political campaign opens up a lot of hearts. <laughs> reveals a lot of what's going on in the inside of of us. <laughs> so, you know, somebody posted uh, this thing about uh, Pete Buttigieg on, I think it was on uh, Facebook. And um, and it was, <laughs> and Pastor laugh at this, it was Pete Buttigieg embracing his significant other. <laughs> I'm not going, I don't believe that a man can have a husband, so I won't say his husband. I'm going to say it's his significant other. <laughs> but, you know, his quote-unquote husband. So, of course, that uh, elevated a lot of anger, righteous indignation <laughs> from, from a lot of uh, Christians online. And I remember um, one of the comments was, you know what? God shall punish them. God shall punish them. The fire of heaven shall crush them. <laughs> and you know that when you hear that phrase, you know exactly, you, are, you know exactly where those people group come from that say this. That was that was what that was what was ignited. In the, hearts of, in the heart of this individual who saw this picture. Let's turn to um, Genesis chapter 18, verse 16 to 33. And we're going to camp right here uh, for the remainder of this evening. Genesis chapter 18. Some of you are very familiar with the story. Genesis chapter 18, verse 16 to 33. And you all know this story. This is where um, Yahweh, the Lord, visited, visits Abraham. And um, in his visit with Abraham, God is like, you know what? This thing that I'm about to do, I can't keep it from Abraham. I must let him know what's about to take place. So... Genesis, Genesis chapter 18, we're going to look at verse 16. And now I'm reading this out of the NIV. I backslid. I'm using the NIV right now. <laughs> Funny thing is, NIV is actually very close to, the, to a lot of the Greek manuscripts in the KJV. I'm going to let, that, I'm going to let you chew on that for a minute. <laughs> verse 16 says, when the men go, got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. 
Verse 17, then the Lord, Yahweh, said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Verse 18, Abraham will surely become a great powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. Verse 19, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of Yahweh by doing what is right and just so that the Lord Yahweh will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. And if you hear me say Yahweh a lot, I say Yahweh a lot because I want to understand, want to let you know that God is very personal. He has a name. He's very personal towards his people. And so that's why I tend to use Yahweh a lot. Actually, in, in the original manuscripts, it was the name Yahweh that's there. In English, they, you know, they uh, following some uh, Jewish precedents, they, ch- they changed it to Adonai and then followed up with the Lord. And so that's why you see a, the Lord a lot. But anyway, um, verse 20, then Yahweh said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Verse 22, then the men, the men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before Yahweh. So three men, two of them went towards Sodom. Um, Yahweh remained with Abraham. So we know that at least one of the men that was with Abraham was Yahweh himself. Um, verse 23, then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteousness with the wicked. What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Verse 25, far be it from you to do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? So Abraham was appealing to Yahweh's righteousness. He's appealing to Yahweh's moral code, his moral ethics, who he is as the right, as the rightful, as the, as the righteous judge. 26. Yahweh said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, Though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people? (laughs) Of course, Yahweh says, if I find 45 there, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found? You know, Abraham must have been Nigerian, because this is something us, us Nigerian people are really good at doing. <laughs> this, is, this, is my, this, is a, this is a picture of my mother right here in the marketplace. She will negotiate with you <laughs> until you do it for free. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> Once again, he spoke, what if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, (laughs) but let me speak. (laughs) What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Verse 31, Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, (laughs) 
<laughs> what if only 20 can be found? <laughs> he said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry. Man, Abraham was really just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Let me speak just once more. <laughs> what if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When Yahweh had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. In other words, they concluded the matter. Without even going in depth into what happened afterwards, and I'm pretty sure all of you know what happened afterwards. And if you don't know, read your Bible. What was Yahweh's burden? And this is, this is where you dialogue with me. What was God's burden, and if you ha we have the microphone, because I, I, I want this to be a dialogue right here. This is where we engage the text. Anybody, what was Yahweh's burden? Let's not be scared. Any answer? What was Yahweh's burden? One once. We read the text. So we know what the burden is. I just wanted to, I just, you know, I just wanted to be more than just me who's seeing it. He's going to bring the microphone. There you go. Sorry. The sin of his people. The sin of the people. Okay. I like that. What's going on? Anybody else? Anybody else? The sin of the people. The, wick, the wickedness of the people by awesome. I like that. Both your, yours and uh, her answer is exactly what I have here. Sodom and Gomorrah were living in violation of God's justice. If you ever have a chance to read the account in Ezekiel, Ezekiel spells it out. They were violating I mean, they were cheating people. They were, they were, they were hoarding things from the needy. What, what we see in Genesis, or what, what was in a sense a symptom of a much deeper problem. When we read the Genesis account, Genesis account, we think, oh, homosexuality. That's the reason why God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But it was just a symptom of a much bigger problem. You want to know why homosexuality is becoming a real big issue in America now? It's a symptom of a much bigger problem. Here's the second question. What was Abraham's response? Somebody say mercy. Go ahead. I God's like you. God's mercy. <laughs> God's, uh, Abraham's response was God's mercy. Anybody else? Anybody else? I like that. I'm sorry. He was interceding on the behalf of the people. I like that. Two really good answers. Very close to what I have. Actually, it is what I have. Abraham acknowledged that Sodom and Gomorrah was living in violation of God's justice. 
Abraham did not neglect that reality. He accepted it. These people here, they are doing wrong. They are doing wrong. That was Abraham's first conclusion. He couldn't, he didn't say, oh, well, you know, God, you know, no, Sodom and Gomorrah, they, they, it's a great city. It's nice over there. No, Abraham recognized that Sodom and Gomorrah were in the wrong. Abraham's response was by interceding or praying for the sinners. Yahweh was standing in his presence, was standing before him. What's the difference between Abraham talking to Yahweh, who was physically um, standing in front of him, and us praying in our prayer closets, praying in our car when we're driving? There's no difference. Communicating with God is the same thing as prayer. Abraham was interceding on the behalf of those who were violating God's justice. When I think about our response to things, uh, you know, like the picture with Pete Buttigieg embracing his significant other, and how we initially respond with, God is going to punish them, God is, God is going to destroy them, that is not the heart of God at all. The reality is true. God's wrath is ever waiting. But his heart is that they will receive his grace. Abraham, I mean, this is amazing. Abraham understood this in the Old Testament. Abraham understood God's grace in the Old Testament. Here's the really good question. We got six minutes. What gave Abraham the right to engage God concerning Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay, relationship. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, let's go deeper. He says relationship. Anybody else? My children. <laughs> uh -huh. That's, the, that's usually what happens when we ask them to pray in the morning love. in the car. <laughs> love. Love, his love? Okay. Let's go deeper. Love, relationship, mercy, father, his father. He acknowledged God as father. Okay. And then, too, I believe God had already... Ah, we well, know Pastor Sharon's going to get that one. <laughs> and he had that's, that's exactly right. Abraham had a covenant with God to be the carrier of God's blessing to the nations of the world. Abraham understood his responsibility. The covenant, I will bless you. I will make of you a great nation. And through you, all the nations, the families of the earth will be blessed. How come Sodom and, why would Sodom and Gomorrah not fit into that equation? This is the reason why God, when God was about to do what he was about to do, he already knew what he was about to do. But he gave Abraham an opportunity to, to operate in accordance to the covenant that he established with Abraham. What about us? The same covenant that Abraham had, we're walking in that covenant. It's called the new covenant. 
We have an obligation as the people of God to be a blessing to the nations of the world. Why? Because of Jesus, because of Yeshua. So when I, when I think about our responses to uh, this picture of Pete Buttigieg embracing his significant other, my initial response, and this is how you know when God is truly working on you, when your initial response is, Father God, I, I don't know if they know you like you want them to know you, but my prayer is that they have an encounter with your grace. That's the same obligation that we have, the same obligation that Abraham had because of the covenants. We have that obligation to our coworkers, to the neighbors that we live in, that we live around, to anybody who we come across in contact with. Father God, I am obligated to each and every one of these individuals as a carrier of your covenant, and I'm praying for them. I am praying that they will experience your goodness. I am praying that they will experience your hope. I am praying that they will experience your glory. I am praying that they will know you. I am praying that, they will, that you will radically change their lives, that they will see your Yeshua, see your salvation, because that is the responsibility that we have as believers in this new covenant. It is the covenant of grace. Abraham experienced that covenant. He understood God's grace well before uh, the grace was extolled towards everyone. Abraham walked in that grace. Amen. Can we stand and pray? And we're just going to take these last two minutes. Think of somebody. There's somebody that you know that just need, that you know they need to hear the gospel. Let us go before God and just say, God, please, that person, make me available to speak of who you are to them. Break those walls, those barriers of communication that will prevent them from hearing who you are or knowing about who you are. Father God, I'm just thinking about all the Jewish people I come in contact with. I'm thinking about the brothers and sisters that I come in contact with, Father God. The millennials who are constantly doubting who you are, who are constantly looking for everything outside of you. Father God, it is my burden my desire to be the conduit of your, of your mercies, the conduit of your blessings towards them. Because the spirit of the living God dwells within me, I know that I have an obligation according to this new covenant to be the carrier of your blessings. Father God, we just pray in the name of Jesus, each and every individual that we come across, Father God, let them know who you are. Let them see you for who you truly are. Not what the storybooks say, not what the history books say, not what the, the political pundits say, not, for, not, what the, not what their school teachers may say, not what the professors, those liberal professors that are in those colleges would say. Father God, let them see you for who you are. Let them see, let those liberal uh, college professors see you for who you are. Father God, we are praying in the name of Jesus that you will radically change all the, all the people that are in those college campuses that are dispelling information to our children. That in the name of Jesus, that they will, be, that they will promote truth. That those who are atheists will be the, most, be the biggest advocates of your gospel. Those who are agnostic will be the biggest advocators of your gospel. In the name of Jesus, 
And Father God, we pray as we encounter those individuals, we pray, Father God, that your Yeshua will, will clothe us. Will clothe us so much, Father God, that they see your goodness. They don't see us. They see who you are. That they will be radically convinced because of who you are. Let those unbelievers that we engage with on a daily basis see not us, but see who you are upon us. As you have poured out your spirit in, 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 at the day of Pentecost, will you continuously reveal, make sure that to make, that make your spirit manifest in our actions, in our deeds, how we speak, how we communicate, how we live, how we walk. Let the fragrance that we wear pull those who are in need of you closer to you and not dispel them. Let your love just so uh, overwhelm us, overtake us for those who do not know you, Father God. Will you turn our hearts to see what you, what you see in those individuals, not what we see, not what we, think you, we, not what we think you see, but what you actually see, that you would just show us how to love more and love harder. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.